welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 270. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much, just uh, getting back from a little ski vacation and chilling out. Um, things are going good, I gotta say. Crazy enough, this is our first episode of the new year because you were awake. Yeah, because I got the last episode out pretty much New Year's Eve of last wow. year. Which I probably could have held, but I wanted to get it out. I wanted to get it out for people who were traveling for New Year's. Then you went away. Last week, I was away for a couple of days. So now we are recording this on the Sunday of MLK weekend. There's a big snowstorm hitting the East Coast, which is very, very it needed is. up in the the northern New England and uh, New York area. So... We're it's recording even hitting now. In the south, isn't it? Like hitting the, the middle of the country? It's a nor'easter, I think, technically. Right. So it's kind of coming up the, the coast right now, and we're getting rain, pretty heavy wind. But I'm just below the snow line where I am at the beach here, sadly. But I was looking at the forecast, and Hunter's looking at like 5 to 11 ish. Damn. I think Killington was looking at 6 to 15. And I know. Colorado, Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana. You're like, oh, that's a nice little dusting. East little Coast. Dust. That is powder day for the ages. So boom. It's hit it's hitting now. Hopefully it delivers as expected. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for listening. We're talking about Mario's trip to Crested Butte later on. So stay tuned for that in the main topic. Thank you again for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com on your favorite podcasting app. So please go rate and subscribe. We're on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untapped at Ski Bum Podcast. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. If you need stickers, boom, like these. I got them. You can send them boom. to you. And send us an email or DM us on Instagram. We'll get some out to you. Big shout out and thank you to our sponsors. Plural sponsors. First off, not sure if you know this or not, but you know now, we are back again. Our pals, Terracia, are back as sponsors again for this season, and we really do appreciate yeah. it. Terracia, go to terracia.com. T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A. Big shout out. They've got some premium cold weather solutions. Their mission is to create best-in-class apparel that can be worn in any cold temperature environment designed with thoughtful features and fit and always providing the optimum level of performance for whatever you are doing. We also fully believe in the idea that good products can always be made better and strive to constantly improve, refine, and optimize all facets of our products. Go to their website, terracia.com. Use the code TERACIABUM, 15% off. As an example, this is my beautiful Juniper puffer jacket i gotta tell you i've had other big name brands this is just as good if not better i love this thing it's super comfortable it's light it's really warm i've also got a dope pair of their bib ski pants also awesome i have my jacket from last year i love Teresia. eric and mike who we work with we've had eric on the podcast with mike on the podcast both for interviews great guys it's a great company. They're really doing some cool stuff. They're just getting bigger. Check them out. Thank you, Terracia. Also, our pals, Paradise Skis. 
paradiseskis.com. Check them out. They make seriously fun skis. They're all about making skiing as fun as possible, whether that's shredding laps in Hawaiian shirts, bringing the parking lot apres, or getting up early to go for that huge backcountry objective. It's our mission to build skis and snowboards that allow our customers to enjoy every single day in the mountains. Go to their site, paradiseskis.com. Use the code SKIBUM15. 15% off. They got the reds, which are not behind me at the moment. The resort skis, the blues, the backcountries, and they got the green split board for you boarders out there. They're making cool stuff. Check them out. Thank you, Paradise Skis. Mario, let's kick it off the way we always do. It's time for Opre Today. Opre Today is, uh, you know, today there was football on TV, so it was kind of an all-day Opre, I have to say. Um, Look at you. Yeah, playoff football going on. Now I'm in Tampa. Everybody's watching at one, and I actually had a – I just celebrated a birthday this week. That's right. Happy little- birthday. Thank you. Had a little family get together. Made sure I got the hell out of there so I can watch the Tampa Bay game at one o'clock. It was tough. I was like, well, why don't we move it to almost a breakfast? And my mom was like, sure, whatever time. I'm like, this is on me now, right? This is Mario time. So freaking um, Champa Bay down there. Another big Champa W. Bay. Had a had that, had a had a night of casino action last night. That was good. That that ended up pretty good. I think our side gig, Brian, will be showing people ways to have as much chance as they can at casinos. Cause we can do that. Like I think we legally can now at this point. You think so? I know I was doing my card counting for a while. I had the app work pretty well. Alleged card counting. Alleged Um, card counting. I just played straight up strategy and just whatever I did pretty well, walked away. I'm not saying any numbers because I know somebody from the IRS is listening. Um, <laughs> but let's just say, you know, I'm into the Seminole tribe. I'm into them or they're into me. Like, Are you scalping the Seminole tribe? Is that what you're telling us right now? I'm, I'm hitting them pretty bad. Like it's not, you know, there's there's no reparations there. I'm beating them up pretty good <laughs> and I'm proud of it. So they're, they're trying to give me free rooms and shit. And I'm like, no, I live pretty close. Uh, I live by the beach. I don't, I don't need a free room, but I'll come down every once in a while, take it for a few a few hundred we'll say. Um, well, so yeah. So if anyone is in the Lake Tahoe area and wants to invite us out for our gambling consultation, we've, we're good. like not bad blackjack players. Like it's, it's been noted. We've, we've it's been we've, legit. We've heard some casinos in our day. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. We I are available. The, we are talk we, to, concierge. <laughs> concierge you talk to people and they're like oh i don't know how to play blackjack i'm like yeah i'm not gonna say anything i just i go and i play blackjack i just that's what i do just remember the jack is black the jack is black oh we've had our times we've Uh, had some fun times good times and bad times we've We've had had many a stories of casino nights we used to go a lot like that was a big thing for us for a while there yeah i I mean before we started doing the share houses up in vermont we were doing a lot of those pocono trips and we would just kind of make them like casino ski trips. And then we do the biking and Atlantic city trips that would happen too. like, there's, there's a lot of things that we'd have going on. Yeah. Our buddy Harry, shout out to Harry. Shout out to Harry. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Anyway. So as we get into this, like it's been a good week, been out praying all day. And I gotta say, I gotta finish the, uh, the day off because I'm still on vacation because I have, tomorrow off for MLK. It's kind of nice. My wife doesn't have off, so she's kind of sleeping. You get so. a free day. That's awesome. 
free day by myself. Like I might be able to sleep more than I might be able to take a nap in the afternoon. Let's put it that way. Oh. Um, so right now I figure why not just push the envelope since it's my birthday weekend and have a, <laughs> I got a fucking King Sue for my outbreak. King Sue. Nice. So oh, Sue, boy, that's, a, that's a heavy hitter. <laughs> oh yeah. So the pseudo Sue is pretty damn good. It's an IPA at like what? Seven something. That's at least a double, isn't it? The King Sue's a double. And that is hopping in at a whopping. I'm going to our favorite untapped and beer advocate. Um, so this is scored a 100 world-class. This has a 100 rating on beer advocate right now. 100. 100. Which means it could There's not any, be improved. It is perfection. It is beer perfection. It's beer perfection. And this is 3,364 ratings. So this is pretty well rated. It's number 65 on the top 100. I, I so gotta it's say, rated, is, it's rated 100, but it's only number 65. Yes. So there are other what ones. What sort of I curve? Is there like honors beer that they're getting like, like a 5.0 grade point average on their beers? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So this is a 100 world-class ranked number 65 out of the 100, maybe average rating 4.58. So I don't exactly know how the, so their ratings are based on out of five. So this is a 4.58, but I guess they take the ratings and they do some churning and they say it's in the top 100. So that's why it's world-class. Yeah. So in the style, it's ranked number 17. So they have multiple ratings going here. So the score, whatever. Bottom line, it's freaking delicious. Wait, which which are you looking at? Beer Advocate or? This is Beer Advocate. Beer yeah. Advocate. Okay. So this is a double IPA. It's only whopping in at a 7.8, which I say only, but that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, it's not ridiculous, but it's... Now, I've had this before, and it tastes like a double. Because you try the single, and I got to say, the the pseudo Sue, if you could find that one, that one's delicious. And Toppling Goliath, they're out of Iowa, but I believe they brew in, in Florida, which is why I have a source down here. The pseudo Sue is one of my favorite because it's not... This tastes like on the double flavor profile. You know how it starts getting a little boozy and a little stronger and a little maltier? Mm-hmm. Um but it's not quite to that edge where you taste some of them and you're like, wow, this is really kind of boozy and stuff. So it's still very drinkable. I would say crushable, drinkable though. Um, yeah, they're not very really crushable double IPAs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's very, it's got that malty age flavor to it. Like, you know, tasting notes on it. They're saying, you know, citra hop double IPA, say a lot of stuff about, you know, tasting pineapple and citra it tastes on the citrus side but tastes like an aged it has that that i don't know more of a mature malty finish than than something kind of new and when you have the pseudo sue you taste the opposite of like you taste what comes before this you know what i mean it's it's kind of like a great tasting if you do pseudo sue and then this one you're like oh i see it's all the same flavor profile it's just the pseudo sue is a little bit lighter and you know, friendly, you know, this is a little bit more danker and, and heavier and you can just, it's getting towards the boozy side. So, but it's delicious. I tell you what, and I can't believe like how available it is for something this highly rated. I'm like, wow, this is definitely. Times have changed. 
right? Within reach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you hear about the meat departments and all the grocery stores being empty. Beer keeps pushing through. Keep We've pushing. Always got beer. Well, I got this pre pre pandemic toilet paper. So I guess you could either get this or toilet paper. Maybe I don't know. Or maybe the beer guy's still driving and the toilet paper guy's not driving anymore. You get beer in a bidet. What do you need toilet paper for? <laughs> a You're bidet. Good to go. Yeah, so definitely get a bidet. That's 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 a good move, especially in this scenario. These questionable times, yes. <laughs> All right, what do you got for Opre? So I've got a beer that I know that you are a fan of and you've had on the podcast before. I acquired it while I was up in Vermont skiing a few weeks ago Ooh. up in Killington. I, I mentioned it briefly. On our, uh, me and me and Andrea did our podcast in the car coming back home. Yes, that was good. Good old Burlington Beer Company, Creatures of Magic. That's a pretty good one, right? This is a good beer. Yeah, the can is unbelievable. Like it's awesome. Burlington yeah. Beer Company just puts out great, great stuff. So, Creatures of Magic is a New England style IPA brewed with Mosaic, Simcoe, Eucanot, Eucano to provide flavors and aromas of melon, blueberry, citrus zest, and pine needles. Nice. Now, there is more than 20% of the grist bill comprised of oat malt and flaked oats for an extra creamy body. You know I like me some creamy body. That's for damn sure. This is good. This is, it's. I wouldn't call it light, but at 6.5% for an IPA, hazy IPA, that's it's pretty reasonable. Yeah. I will tell you, this does taste better after skiing. Thousand mm. percent. This in a hot tub after skiing, that's where this belongs. That's nice. its happy place. A basement Earth. in New Jersey, it works. It's good. But it's home where it belongs. This is a great apres ski beer because six and a half, it's it's not it lets you know it's there. But it's not going to knock you on your butt right away either. So that's awesome. It's it's just tasty, and the can is super cool. So I'd highly recommend this if you get your hands on it. Comes in at you know solid four point oh eight on Untapped. Not not crazy. Not you know it's not in the top ten beers of all time. But you know what? Doesn't have to be. Nice. It makes me happy right now. So thank you, Burlington Beer Company. Yummy. Yeah, that's not, a delicious beer. Very good stuff. Make some good stuff, man. Oh, love Vermont. Love Burlington beer. Mm. Let's go to Ski News. Now, Ski News this week, it's almost broken into two chunks with an interlude. An interlude. I like that. Yeah, because the first two stories... What's happened over the last couple of weeks, they're kind of, they're similar stories. And it's, the theme of it is chairlift issues. First story is that man seriously injured after chairlift detaches from cable at Wildcat Mountain, New Hampshire. That's always one of my biggest fears, honestly. A Vail-owned resort. <clears throat> a man suffered serious Injuries after falling almost 10 feet from a ski lift chair at Wildcat Mountain in New Hampshire. The incident happened Saturday on the Snowcat Triple Chair, reports State Fire Marshal Sean Toomey. The man in his early 20s fell 10 feet to the ground and suffered serious 
rib injuries. Other mm. riders on the lift were not affected. The lift at the Vail Resort's owned ski area will remain closed while a full investigation is conducted. Hmm. Like you mentioned, that is super terrifying. You know, when you think I about can it, understand it might happen. I think this this seems like it happened like right after the chairlift engaged, right? Like not like in the middle. But I don't know. I mean, I hope so because that's one of those things. You know, we've all been in those situations where. It says a misload of a chair. So, so if they misload it, they're saying it hit the, the pylon or whatever. So there's no video of it happening, but I can imagine you misload the chair. Maybe you load it incorrectly to one side and then it drifts or something and hits something and then maybe detaches. But I'm always afraid of like you're on a chair and riding and all of a sudden the fucking rope drops or and everybody drops or your chair just goes off like i don't know scary we've all been in those situations where you know you stop like the lift stops for whatever reason and you're kind of just there swinging and you look down you're like how far am i up here about 50 feet like what would i do if i had to just like if this thing dropped like how would i bail dude the worst was we're in stow in that little gondola and it was a complete whiteout, and that chair is going, and they're like, "Yeah, we slowed it down because the winds." And I'm like, "That's not making me feel better." And then you're rocking back and forth. And I'm like, "This thing's gonna fucking drop." I thought we were gonna die that day. It was bad. Oof. I don't know. That's, yeah, that uh, was that was a pretty rough one. I just gotta say, he's so he's in his early 20s, fell 10 feet to the ground. That's not bad. I mean, he's lucky. Serious injury, uh, whatever rib injuries. You're lucky to be alive. Like that's not bad. I mean, that's the that's the best case scenario. Is you have a, one single person in their 20s who's the the only person who's injured in this. Because so let me ask man? you: in your 20s, you're going to ski into your 60s potentially. Do you get on another chairlift? Or are you skinning up the rest of the time? You are already preempting the interlude. <laughs> Oh, ski news. Sorry. I don't want to, I want to, that would have been a wonderful comment to make it. It's still not ruined. I'm just saying like, are you afraid to get on another lift again? I'm a little afraid. Well, it's just like when you hear about like a plane crash and you're going on a flight, you got to think how many planes take off every single day. And there's no incidents. How many chairlifts are running all over the planet right now? And there's, there isn't any incidents. See, with the plane, though, I get I go to the airport a little early, get a little more liquid up, and just jump on the plane. And I'm fine. You know, it certainly helps. You do that. Okay, maybe you go list. there. I thought you were going to say you go there early and you go talk to the flight crew. You go talk to the maintenance guys. Make sure they're checking. Now these bolts are all tightened and everything's good to go. No, that's creepy. That's super <laughs> creepy. <laughs> but that's not a bad idea. I'm thinking about doing that now. Yeah, and so we you know talking about incidents on chairlifts, there was another recent incident that happened at Beach Mountain Ski Resort in North, North Carolina. Carolina. Where two guests were sent to the hospital last Friday after a snowmaking hydrant below a chairlift broke, blasting the skiers with freezing water on the occupied chair above. Warm cold. Did you watch this video? I did. It looked pretty cool. This is everywhere. It's shooting everywhere. And they just are in the worst possible spot to just get blasted with this snowmaking water. And 
you know, it's, it sucks. It's awful that it's happening right there. It's hilarious. But I love could it. you imagine the temperatures last week? I think it was last Tuesday or Wednesday up in Maine, up in Sugarloaf. They're saying it was minus 50 with the wind chill. Could you imagine if it was that sort of weather that day where this pipe burst? That would have been like you would have had hypothermia in your chair within what a couple minutes, maybe if that was blasting you. That is that is terrifying because there's what are you going to do? Like you're just stuck there. It's not like anybody can, they're they're obviously stopped the chairlift for a reason. Sitting there just getting blasted. Bombarded. And imagine like you're just starting the lift. You get on, you get blasted. They stop the lift, you get blasted with that water. And it's at least another four minutes to the top. And you're just frigid and soaked. And it's like, again, how long was he getting blasted? I don't know how long, but you can watch the video. It's like if you were in New York City and someone cracked the fire hydrant open back in the day. And you're just getting just because there's nothing you can do. Like there is literally yeah, nothing. It was a hydrant, right? So it was a hydrant. Yeah, it looks like it was about like two minutes. They were getting pummeled, and they finally got it moving. So they went to the hospital. People were taken to the hospital that with injuries that were night not life threatening. So I wonder if they had um, frostbite or hypothermia, like you said. And imagine if they were if, like they were the people that like cut the line or kind of like jumped ahead to get on the um, lift in front of the people, and they ended up being the ones in that chair. So and that was there's one girl that was on there. She she was quoted as saying, "I have bruises from head to toe, some big, some and some small, mainly on the left side of my body." I'm like, "Why would you have bruises?" I guess the water's coming out that hard. But this person said she went to beach to celebrate her birthday. So she said the pipe erupted and then she fell. Yeah, it was about like two minutes at least. So like, I guess she fell off. I don't even know. So whenever this video started, the person's getting blasted. She's and they moved the chair a little bit. Is she? Oh, so this person decided to jump 25 feet from the and chair. And someone else got blasted a little bit. Yes, yeah, so this person jumped 25 feet. And she hurt herself pretty bad. So yeah, it shows a, like one person getting blasted and then they get it moving again. And then it gets, then they stop again and someone else is getting blasted for like a minute uh, or two. Shit, love. End like of the day, so I mean, if bad. you're bundled up right properly, I mean, you should be all right, right? Dude, stop it. If you're getting blasted with water like that. I don't know. Bundled you have like a freaking wetsuit on. Suck it up, man. These Come are North on. Carolina people. These aren't like Mainers or something. No. You're like in your jeans and your gaiters. Just in like, your, no, this is cool. I'm good like this. Charlotte Hornets jacket on there. Like, this is not good. <laughs> I have skied Beach Mountain, though. It nice. is. It is not a forgiving mountain. <laughs> huh, really? In what way? You're in North Carolina skiing. That's that's why it's not forgiving. Yeah. Cool to ski there. It's a little little hill, but jump twenty five feet. I wouldn't do it there. You yeah. know what? You know what's on the bottom? Rocks, rocks, yeah. rocks, dirt. Like there's no snow. Yeah, that's bad news. So hopefully everyone's okay. I'm sure there'll be more information out there. And I don't think Vale owns Beach Resort, which I guess that's a big positive in the Vale column, then, right? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. And now for our interlude. Yeah, so the interlude. You want me to take this one? Go for Um, it. Ski the Whites has created uphill fever in Jackson, New Hampshire. So So, you mentioned before about, you know, do you stop taking the lift if you're the guy 
who falls off the chairlift, you can go exactly. to New Hampshire and you right. can go partake in this uphill and fever. Actually, I have a little note that I'll, I'll make sure to mention this when I talk about the main topic about Crested Butte. This is a thing. Is there it's a fever thing. there too? There's a fever. It's There's a fever. Definitely a fever. It's It's been there for a while, but... Uphill skiing has gained an edge in the ski and snowboard community in recent years. So they're actually saying uphill skiing or quote unquote skinning utilizes synthetic skins that slide forward, but not backward to assist in sliding uphill is gaining traction due to a bunch of things. So they're saying increased lift ticket prices, improved touring gear, and a bigger interest in the solitude in the mountains. So according to National Ski Area Association's Cut Kate end of season survey report, uh, they're saying 57% of U.S. ski areas now allow some sort of uphill access. So they're saying that's up 28% from 2021-2013 when the survey... 2012-2013. I'm sorry, 2012-2013 when the survey just began. So... They're saying, you know, ski resorts are recognizing the desire to go uphill and they're taking advantage of it. You know, it's kind of a nice thing to have if you're willing to do it. They're they're saying it's a it's a festive kind of thing to do. Um, they're saying they have a, a scene called Friday Night Lights. Skis are going up the ski slope with headlamps to illuminate, illuminate the quiet stretch ahead. Pretty cool. It's more of a casual approach. Um, and they kind of go up two hours to go up and they... They come on down. So they said now it's the fifth season that they've been doing this on New Year's Eve and has become become more than person That's that Andrew runs. Drummond. Yeah, he's the guy who uh he's the ski the whites guy. Ski the whites guy. Then he initially expected when he launched it with six events over the course of the 2017-2018 season. Over the years, this has been growing. It's a pretty cool thing. They have a race too. So Friday Night Lights, they do every Friday from December through March, 31st through March 18th, with the exception of mid-February. And they say they have a bonfire and live music and they have bands, opera, beers. And they say at 6 p.m. the race starts and they have these Friday Night Lights. So they have these races every Friday night. They start up operators at 7.30. There's a $10 fee to cover the cost. And... There's a $70 pass that is available for the season. It's kind of nice. They do a big event for it, and it seems pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds like a really fun time. And one other thing that they do is an event called Last Skier Standing. Mm. What they do is each skier has one hour to ascend and descend the 1,000 vertical feet to and from the summit. At the beginning of the following hour, the skiers line up before starting their next lap together. With this unique format, only one lap is allowed per skier per hour, and the lap must be finished within the same time frame. The process repeats until only one skier is left the victor. Wow. Yeah. And standing. I like it. Yeah. It's cool seeing this. And it's cool that... Like they mentioned, like things are getting so crowded all over the place. It's really nice where, you know, you're, you're going to get, if, you're not going to get everyone doing this. That's for sure. These are really the hardcores that are coming out to do this. And they say they get about 150 on average, which is pretty solid. And they're charging 10 bucks for the people or 70 for a season pass. It's, it's kind of showing how, you know, skiing is having to evolve a bit. 
when things no. get too crowded, when people don't want to deal with the lift lines during the day, what can you do to kind of tweak the formula and still make it really fun, still make it flatting around on snow? Boom. This That's is what awesome. they did. Friday night lights, doing some skinning uphill, Black Mountain in New Hampshire. This is awesome. I love this. Well, think about it. You got nothing to do at night. You get to go up, beautiful night, see the stars, maybe see a sunset. You go up, hang out, and you come back down. Like it's it's gotta be pretty fun. Yeah. Speaking of not fun, how about if you're a well, this is good actually if you're a uh Vail employee, I guess. Vail resorts to offer end of season bonus to hourly employees. Nice. All full-time and part-time hourly employees will be eligible for $2 an hour bonus. Calling the season incredibly challenging, CEO Kristen Lynch on Monday said employees who stick with Vail Resorts through the end of the season will receive a $2 per hour bonus for all hours worked after January 1st. See, that's nice. That's a great incentive, right? Look at that. What a great company. It is unusual to take these actions in the middle of the season, but this is an unusual season. Lynch told employees in an email, the full payout of the bonus will occur in May. Employees must work through their season end date to be eligible. Mm-hmm. The bonus is for this season only. Lynch said Vail Resorts will review employee compensation at the end of the season. These bonus programs are specific to this year and the unique challenges of this season, Lynch said. Lynch acknowledged that Vail Resorts workers have carried an extra burden this season. Staffing is always going to be tight given the global labor shortage with the acceleration of Omicron, late snow, and many other factors created particularly challenging impacts for our operations teams. Hmm. And one thing that was interesting that this article is from nine news.com out in Colorado. The original article that I found was in the Colorado sun, which is behind a paywall, unfortunately. And the last line in the headline was a mid sinking stock price, which we've said it once we've said it a thousand times. Always remember with Vail resorts, stockholders come first skiers and snowboarders and employees further down that list way further down that's true which kind of leads us actually to our final story in the ski news mario i don't know if you want to start it or you want me to i want you to start this i got a lot of talking to do in the main topic you do have a lot of talking to do in the main (laughs) topic because it's pretty much the mario show and this is from Tom Clyde, who is a journalist out in Park City, Utah. This is well written, too. I, this I is really this. well written and very, yeah. uh, it's just, we, we saw the pictures, we saw the videos, and this is him mm. kind of confirming it. It's called, This is the Year We Broke It. And it starts talking about pretty much the Christmas season or the Christmas week in general. And just all the things, like kind of the perfect, awful storm that's happened this ski season, especially the big Vail and icon resorts more looking towards park city in this article, but it does mention gear Valley as well. It does mention it doesn't, it, it starts on the way to the resort too. Like it, you can't get away from it. Yeah. They say, you know, the snow came late, the warm November messed up the snowmaking schedule. 
Stuff that normally has a solid base of windproof machine-made snow went into mid-December as bare ground. It got a good dose of natural snow before the wind blew it all to Cheyenne. We'll be dealing with that issue all year. Airline schedules were beginning to fall apart before Christmas, so between uncertain flights and the resurgence of the plague, more people than usual drove this year without snow tires. Shit got real. Traffic was a nightmare. The weather was winter at its best, with lots of snowy days, extreme winds, and snow plowing that seemed behind the curve the whole time. Lots of people missed vacations last year and were determined to take one this year, so demand was up everywhere. In the end, it feels like we had 50,000 people cycle through town who will leave feeling like they didn't have the vacation of a lifetime. The standard excuse is, eh, they're from Texas. They don't know any better. <laughs> but if they're spending that kind of money on a ski vacation, they are experienced skiers. They know when things aren't working. Even a dog can tell the difference between getting tripped over and getting kicked. Well, think about that this way too, right? So, you know, now, now I'm in Florida, right? So I actually know a lot of people that are big time skiers that move from the North or from the Midwest. And they're like, they go on ski vacation. So while people say, oh, you know, they're from Texas or they're from Florida or they're from Alabama, they don't know the difference. Well, the money's moving down here and they still sure. want to go out there to visit. So when they drop Bitcoin on, on going somewhere, they expect what they expect. You know what I mean? They know what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, he has a nice little angry rant here, which I want to read in its exact glory. <laughs> so what did we learn? Well, for starters, we learned that increasing volume by 47% without adding more lifts, parking, and food service overwhelms the operation to the point of failure. You would think all those MBAs in the Death Star and Bloomfield would have been able to figure that out. Wow. When all those icon and epic pass holders all did exactly what the marketing had enticed them to do, take a quote-unquote free ski vacation over the holidays, the resorts can't deliver on the expectations they created. Lifts closed by thin cover, rough weather, or avalanche danger is part of the game. Lifts closed because there aren't enough lift operators is quite another. And this is where it gets even more interesting. A friend sent a Wall Street analyst report on Vail Resorts stock. He rated it as a sell because the business model of the Epic Pass is creating overcrowding and a poor customer experience that is not pleasing their customers. They won't buy again next year. Why is Wall Street commenting on lift lines? Because Wall Street is running ski resorts instead of skiers. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we have been saying this over and over and over again for years. And at first, like when we first started doing the podcast, we tried being happy-go-lucky, optimistic. We're like, you know, people break Vail's balls. It's a, it's such a cliche thing to say as skiers. Oh, Vail sucks. Oh. And then you go experience Vail resorts. Resorts. And you're like, oh, everything yeah. is right. This cliche, this saying, this phrase exists for a reason. Vail does There's suck. something to what people are saying, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's where we're at, you know, like this, this Christmas season, you know, with like you mentioned, the shortages of, of folks on airlines, shortages of staff to maintain these, the lift operators, the people in the concessions, moving snow, hotels, 
Plus, he had 47% more people buying the passes and wanting to go use them. It's a complete recipe for disaster. It's a complete perfect shitstorm, right? Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is, okay, how could how could Vale in its wisdom actually make it better for everyone? Like, could they like sell off some places? Like, could I, I don't even know if that's possible. Create like a, I don't know, like a a non Vale spinoff. I mean, it's it's probably all the same like Death Star thing. Like when you had AT and T, when they had to break them up in the eighties, and it became all these little separate companies that eventually all came back together again. Right. But but what's the ultimate solution? You're not going to please everyone, right? So if somebody doesn't That's like the brand sure. that you're selling, they're going to go somewhere else. This is what you offer. This is the bringing maybe more mountain environment to the masses and that's what that's what you have i mean people hate walmart but you know what walmart's in every city you know why Mm -hmm. it's cheap it has everything and it's always there and they usually always open you go both ways on this right there's there's two sides of every of every story everyone loves amazon everyone's ordering stuff and and getting it without having to go anywhere that's wonderful and beautiful people were pissed off at amazon People are still pissed off at Amazon. Yeah. I remember when Amazon bought Whole Foods and I'll never forget this. They made that announcement. I'm like, oh, and you know, back in that time, I was kind of an Amazon hater and they bought Whole Foods. I was like, now I like them better. And I was working with somebody like, why do you like that better? It's it's horrible for, for as a Whole Foods like person. I'm like, I like it better because they're bringing Whole Foods to everybody. Whole Foods was kind of a little class on its own. Latest, like, yeah. You know, like I had a buzzer in to get in, like they wouldn't even let me in that kind of thing. But now it's available. Like I just order and they just deliver. I'm like, that makes total sense for what they wanted to do. People are never going to like Amazon hundred percent, but they're going to use it because it serves, it, it, it solves a need, right? I mean, hundred yeah, percent. I have a need to go to a ski area that's not bankrupt. That's another thing, right? And you know what Vail's doing is they're doing they're solving that need to not have places go bankrupt when you book a trip there. I mean, yeah. It's kind of important. Sadly, it sort of is. But and I go back and forth on it too. Yeah. Well, with that, that actually gives us a nice interlude into the main topic. Because you were just at a particular Vale resort. I was. So Samaria, um, let's let's hear it. So I, I went on a wonderful media trip. Uh thank you to everybody from Vale, from Crested Butte, from Nasja, North American Snow Journalist Association, Snow Sport Journalist Association. So they organized a trip and I went went with our buddy Steve. This is going to be probably like two or three podcast worth of stuff on Crested Butte because I want to get like Steve in here. We'll talk about some stuff. But I, I tell you what, giving the overall... So we went to Crested Butte and I've heard about it, never went there. And I tell you what, I was... End of the day, I had a great freaking trip. I got to say, being a flatlander at sea level, going to ski in Colorado is always like ominous because it's so, you know, that altitude always kills me and we stayed at about 8,300 feet so anything over 8,000 feet I know just I don't sleep I get tired the whole thing elevation in the town is 8,885 yeah so 
that's what I was at. And we were right on the mountain. Great trips. We stayed at the Grand Lodge. I guess say accommodations were good. Good, good to excellent. Everybody's very nice. So they have, it's kind of a, it's got a really good small town feel. So it has a feel. And Steve and I went back and forth on this when we were on the vacation. It was on the trip. It was kind of like Telluride, but only bigger. Not quite like a Whistler or something like that's really big. The town was really cool. Like not like a Jackson. So it was like a mini Jackson. Take Jackson and Telluride, split the difference. And that's like what it seems, you know? Okay. Yeah, because they always compare Telluride to Crested Butte. Those are kind of the, yeah, in terms of like kind of off the beaten path a little bit, Colorado ski towns. Right. Now, Crested Butte, so like we stayed in the mountain village and then there's the actual town of Crested Butte. They were on a free shuttle back and forth. So 15 minutes, you're back and forth and they all tell you like, oh, if you miss the last bus coming back up the mountain, you take the drunk taxi, which is, <laughs> it scoops all the drunks and it drops you off. Just kind of just go, man, just whatever, you know, <laughs> there's no charge for anything, but you know, allegedly you may have paid some money. I, I don't know. We were pretty hammered. I got to say the town is cool. It's quaint. Everything rolls up. So if you're looking for a party town, this is where you got to like kind of pick and choose where you go. Right. So Crested Butte, great skiing. I would say it's a little more family oriented uh, mountain because it depends what's open. Right. So they have the steeps which is what they call their, their very steep skin bowls all on the upper edge. You got the North face, you got the, uh, the head wall, um, and all everything up there is called the steeps. They have service from, you know, different lifts and, and J bars, T bars, the whole thing. And we went on all that and we even did a hike up one day. So the first day we were there, we did a hike up Uber day. And if anybody's watching the video, I got like, a you know, a hole in my lip. And that's from getting too much sun the first day, which you got to put at high altitude, especially you got to put on your sunscreen. And as bluebird day, I wasn't thinking because we had a whole debacle with getting there with the airlines got around that. So, uh, if I would, if I was saying, if I was planning it again, I would tell everybody. And if you plan a trip there, look into, if you're not going to drive, you can fly into Denver and it's like a two and a half hour drive. You can fly into Montrose. I think that's about one and a half hours. We flew into Gunnison, 20 minutes to a half hour. If you're going to do that, get the uh, the mountain shuttle, the Alpine shuttle, I think it's called, whatever they service all of Colorado, different shuttles. We were, I was hoping on an Uber. Ubers are not to be found right now. Nobody's Ubering. It, it still relies on people willing to do it. So everybody- There's I think just no drivers. That's the issue. No drivers. You have Uber, but there's just nobody driving. So they're all driving their own private company shuttle or they're driving for mountain shuttles or, or something else, you know? So you're saying if you want to be a ski bum in Crested Butte, you could be an Uber driver and do all right. So, so we got in, our bags didn't get there. Skis shit was lost. So we're like, all right, oh, I guess no, it's coming. Really? really? Yeah, I guess coming on a later flight. So we went over, we talked to some lady at the United Canada. It was really nice. She was like, here's a number for a guy that's driving here. You can call the mountain shuttle. She's like, and if you don't get a ride, like I'll drive you up myself. I was like, wow. <laughs> to even offer like, that's pretty awesome, right? So yeah. kudos to her. I think her name is Julie or something, but it was really nice for her to even offer. She's like, oh yeah, my husband, have this. we always have the same issues like people get stuck here and i guess they both work at the airport 
But the guy picked this up for a shit ton of money. Like, hey, you want to stop at the grocery store? Wherever you want to stop. Because we had him for, booked him for an hour. And we rolled up there. We got everything we wanted and got settled in. And, you know, we're, we're tracking with the airline. Where's our bags? Well, they're coming out on a later flight. We're like, okay. And we didn't put two and two together that our buddy Nick that came into town at the last minute, he came in on that late flight. He could have picked up our bags. And I was like, oh, <laughs> damn it. I should have said something, but I was like, I know I was, I was pissed off and I was just drinking at that time. So, oh boy. And trying to breathe, uh, like, mm. like, you know. Yeah. Boozing when you're at, uh, don't dwell at the altitude, that really doesn't help too much. So even before I went, I was taking, they say Dramamine and add, um, Aleve will help. So two days before I'm taking all that shit, taking zinc, making sure I don't want to get COVID. Like there's a lot of shit I was taking before even getting on, getting on that airplane. And then I get up there. I'm like, okay, the altitude's getting me. Anyway, we get up there. So we're supposed to meet people to go with the next day at like 9 a.m. So breakfast at eight. And my buddy Steve and I, of course, I'm on with the airline at like four in the morning because I'm on East Coast time and two hour change. So I wake up at six, boom, four o'clock. I'm yelling at somebody in India, like, where the fuck's my bag? Um, to no avail. Cause they're like, no, it's not even scheduled to go out. I'm like, all right. So I guess they're like, you can go back to the airport and pick it up. I'm like, you know what? When I get to a destination, I leave the airport. Sometimes I don't have a car or even if I have a car, I don't want to go back to the airport because you forgot my bag deliver the bag and, you know, whatever. So that's the whole airline thing. So where did the, did it get left in Denver or? No. So I flew into Denver, took a uh, connection to Gunnison. So we flew into Gunnison. Right. But where were the, where was the stuff left? Gunnison. So it came late though. It didn't make the flight that we were on. Came like four hours later, five hours later. Okay. In Gunnison. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. But they left it in Denver. Well, yeah, it didn't make our flight. So it made the next flight out, which was like mm-hmm. five hours later. So anyway, it, it's in Gunnison. Like, oh yeah, it's in Gunnison now. I'm like, yeah, that's like five hours after we were there. So long story short, we called the same guy that took us up to the mountain. And we're like, hey, can you pick up our bags for us? He's like, sure, I'll pick up your bags. <laughs> so paid him some money, brought our bags up. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, go to the airport, go to whatever airlines are there and be like, are these bags left? Cause I could take them up. Give me like $50 a bag. You would clean up. Well, don't like a lot of places. Like, isn't like, a, like an airline policy. Like if they lose your bag or, or misroute it, like it's on them to get it to you. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the next day it should <laughs> eventually they'll get it to you. Right. So that same week, my son went back to school and he didn't get his hockey sticks. So he got them like two days later. One of them was broken. So great. So, so that's great. I don't really care. I need my, my ski pants and my helmet. Otherwise I'm going to buy new shit and charge it. But it was also the timing. Like stores don't open till nine. We want to be on the mountain at nine. We had guides taking us around. So I'm like, fuck that. So we paid this guy, grab our bags. They got there eight 30, got everything out, did our quick thing. Boom. Met everybody at nine. Skied the whole place. So what was open when we were there is they just dropped the, they just dropped lines on a lot of stuff. One of the places we went, if you look at the map, so we started at the Red Lady Chair almost every day because that's where our hotel was. 
Right. So we started there because we were at, right at the base area. So we went up and if you look at there's Paradise Bowl. So if you look Paradise Bowl and just north of that, there's Headwall. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we skied a whole bunch of other stuff. And then about midday, we're like, you know what? That looks pretty cool too. And nobody's on it. And they're like, yeah, well, it's usually serviced by that high lift. If you look on the top, the high lift, and you could drop down into that headwall. Okay. Um, so that high lift wasn't running. I guess they were still blowing for avalanche. So we decided, hey, let's let's hike up from the top of that, uh, Paradise Express. We basically hiked up to like the middle of that part. If you see where Big Shoot is, we, we kind of hiked up there. Okay. And then we ski traversed across and then dropped into the head wall there. Oh, nice. And that was fun as hell. There's nobody on it. It was steep as hell. It was great. It was, it was fun. Uh, just too short. You know, we, it was like a 20, about a 20 minute hike up and, we, and then we skied down. It was pretty fun. So, so now is that considered the steeps over there? Yeah. So in the top, so there are, uh, so right there is, and then the North face, if you look to the left of that left and down on the map, those are all steeps, all these bowls, Spellbound Bowl, Phoenix Bowl. There's tons of bowls. Not all of them are open, but that I believe is the steeps. And then the banana on the top right, the whole Crested Butte Mountain. None of that was open because it was thin cover. Those are serious shoots. Like you you drop into those and those are shoots that go down. It was too thin cover and they were blowing, especially on the peak, they were blowing for uh, avalanche right up there. So Okay. None of that stuff is open, but yeah, the steeps, they call it the steeps and it's like all the double black. And I got to tell you, it's pretty steep. You know, <laughs> after skiing Jackson and Telluride, those are very steep areas. Kind of some I would say no fall zone. You know, you're, you kind of, if you fall, you're, you're going down for a while. Yeah. So we did that, you know, the first day we did the head wall. Uh, second day, it snowed about four inches before we woke up. And we went out, they dropped the line on international, which is a, is that a black or double black? It's a double black. Uh, that's a great run, like all the way down. It's like a downhill run almost. And it was groomed. That was really fun. So we did that to start out. And then we head up to the North face and we did the North face and we were doing, we did a bunch of the stuff over there. We did, we did two laps on the North face cause we were able to cut the line. People were probably pissed, but we're like, I don't care. We're with guides. We're doing whatever we want. <laughs> so we did that. And the North Face was great. It's like trees and we had fresh powder. I mean, we had some really great time over there. And then just seeing like, so you're in the North Face and there's some, a few lines that you look at and they're like, yeah, that's like a, an expert line. It's like kind of off the range of like double black. And we're sitting there watching these snowboarders just bop down and then hit this rock and just bomb off this rock and do <laughs> these aerials. And I'm like, first guy that I saw, I was like, oh, he's dead. And then lands it and he's like, oh, that was awesome. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty awesome to watch too, you know? <laughs> but that was cool. We did that the second day. And then the third day, we just kind of did uh, a lot of the, the blues and we were just, I, my legs were fried. So we did blues. We did international. We did the, the blacks and blues. We were black and blue pretty much. So nice. Uh, but yeah, if you look on the right, there's that international. 
Yeah, I see that. There's like the upper international and lower international. Yeah, and there's like Joker, Twister, all those. So they were all bumped up. Like Joker, Jokerville, Twister, Crystal, they were all bumped up. And then you could go on part of those and then jump into international. So we were kind of doing a little bit of bumps and jumping into there. We did some bumps here and there. And then just international was fun. Just flew down that thing. So nice. it was a lot of fun. Had a good time. Saw the mountain, went into town. I tell you what, the the people that, that hooked us up with the trip, they were great. Just a, a lot of a lot of good people that helped us out with that. So there's Jess Miller from Vale, Scott Clarkson from from Crested Butte, and then Jeff Blumenthal from Nasha. Uh they they set up a good trip. Jess was great. She hooked us up with like, you know, I had demos, like so I used my skis, then I used some demos. That was a lot what of What did you end up using? So they gave me some black ops, some Rosino black ops. Okay. Um, and they were fun. I gotta say they were pretty good. And then I had my DPS skis, which, um, my hybrids, which I like breaking out, but they're a little intimidating. They're great when you got powder, which I broke out for the powder day and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but on the non powder day, not as fun. So I went back to the black ops and that was really cool, but we went to, so our guides were dusty Dyer and Rachel Hartman and dusty and Rachel were they were great. They took us all over the place and they're legit. They were talking about their experiences and them being a Crested Butte. It's really funny. A lot of people seem to gravitate. Even if they leave the area, they come back to Crested Butte because they love the area and the mountain. And it's just, it's kind of chill. So Dusty was telling me that uh, it's one of the colder places to ski in Colorado. So it doesn't, the good part of it is it doesn't ice up. It just, and he skied on the East Coast. He skied Killington. We were talking about like the ice that you ski out here. <laughs> and um, he was like, no, I've skied it all. Like he was there for a while. And now he travels. He does evaluations and, and passing tests of like ski instructors. He does like, you know, clinics like internationally. So I'm like, oh, these are legit people. And, and were they, we was that through NASA or through the mountain? Oh, that was from the mountains. So uh, Dusty and Rachel, they work for the mountain as, uh, you know, guides and and lessons they they do. We met the the GM, Tara, um, Tara Schodinger, 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 Schodinger. She was great. I tell you what, we hung out with Tara, skied with her for a while, talking to her about the mountain, and she really puts her love into it. One of the big things I noticed and they started doing with COVID because of the, the, the pinch is everybody's working every, every job on the mountain. So we hung out with her the one day in the, in the morning. And then the next day we actually on the mountain, we're getting on the lift and we see her scanning tickets. So we're <laughs> like all hands on deck. It was just pretty cool. Um, talked a lot about sustainability, what they're doing for that. And there's more to that. I think, uh, that's where I want to have my buddy, our buddy Steve on, cause he was talking to the, uh, sustainability, sustainability manager, Ryan Grote about what they're doing for sustainability. It seems pretty cool. And it's interesting to hear from the mountain point of view, cause it's not something that's being forced on them. It's something they're trying to get, they're trying to do on the mountain because it makes sense but they're also trying to do some outreach to the community to try to get everybody involved to actually get more of a, uh, a, uh, a magnified bang for your buck. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things like if they, if they're sustainable and they recycle and they, you know, do certain things, that's, that's 
one drop in the bucket. But now when you get everybody in town to do that, that's where you're talking about really moving the needle. So they're kind of moving in that, that direction and it's kind of twofold. They're moving in that direction with veil and they're trying to move in that direction with town, which is good to see, you know, bringing them along for the ride. I mean, when you're a town that depends, you know, you're an industry that depends on the cold and mm-hmm. on snow, you know, there's only, you know, you have to do everything you can obviously to promote not altering the, the climate, you know, like yeah. anything you do that can, you know, theoretically reduce the amount of carbon in the air and keep the, right. the climate from, from heating up and warming. You got to do what you got to do. You know, otherwise you're yeah. kind of SOL there. So one of the things I thought was interesting, they said at all of their areas to eat, they don't want you to put the the stuff in the garbage because they say a lot of the problem, you know, they do like the whole sort thing of like compostable, breakdownable and, you know, whatever the recyclables, like the way they break them down. And they said it's actually more efficient to have their own people do the breaking down of everything. Because sometimes, you know, you go to these like bins and you're like, you want to help out. You don't want to just leave your shit on the, uh, on the table and you want to go help out and put stuff into the bins, but you don't exactly know which bin to put in and you just (laughs) might put it in the wrong one. So what they say is we ate and they're like, no, you leave all your stuff. And I remember her telling us that and we're like, but you don't understand. We have manners. Like we were taught a certain way. (laughs) We're little, you know, just don't leave there and expect somebody to pick up your stuff. They're like, no, we want we want you to leave it there because we want to break it down for you. You are far too stupid to do this right. I'm telling you. <laughs> exactly. But I thought it was interesting. They said they actually are trying to push and, and make people aware, like leave your stuff there. We're going to break it down. We're going to separate it because they could separate it down. However they want to break it down. I'm like, that's actually a pretty good idea. That's like, but yeah, again, as someone who grew up with manners and like not to leave their stuff behind, yeah. it's been like, Hey man, just take a dump anywhere you want. Like, we'll take care of it. We got this. We got this. Like, it's on we, us, man. We got a better a better solution than this whole toilet wasting of water every time you take a dump. Get up on the floor. We'll clean it up. It'll be great. Yeah, that's funny shit, man. Um, literally funny shit. Literally. So uh, the next day, then we went to... So at night, one of the nights we went to the uh, Crescent Butte museum and i was kind of like okay we're gonna look at stuff and they actually had fat tire bikes from like a long time ago long before we even thought fat tire bikes were around well isn't crested butte also considered the fat like the home of mountain biking like that's where it started so they do a lot of biking they're starting to do more more downhill mountain biking and expanding that because they do they said the summer they do so much hiking camping biking like it's incredible a lot of people you know they have tons of trails but they also outside of their mountain people will jump over because it's all it's all national parks right so crest butte they lease out from the national parks so you jump in there in the in the summer and you're going through national parks and all sorts of different areas that that you can go on for miles and miles you can actually go all the way up to aspen from from the butte um, really? say, yeah, like you got to go. They actually said they do some, some events. There's a cross country one where you cross country ski from 
across the Butte to Vail and back. And then there's like a, I think there's a hike. Wait, not run to Vail, to or, Aspen, right? I mean, sorry, to Aspen. To Vail, that would be insane. Yeah, no, to Aspen. And then there's one that they do on mountain bike, I think. So there's a bunch of different things. They say you look at different times of the year and they run all these different events, which are pretty cool. And then one of the other big things, which I didn't realize about Crested Butte, there's a ton of backcountry skiing. So Crested Butte, it's not even like through the mountain. It's not even like gates or side country or something like that. But people just go up, they go through a hike trail and they, and they just go and you're on, I, I believe most of the time you're on national park land. But we met with the people from the Crested Butte Avalanche Center and we spoke to the executive director, Than Than. Akuf, I think his name. And uh, Zan was very informative. Like he, he actually pointed out to me, I didn't realize that their avalanche center is not regulated, owned, run by any organization. They're a nonprofit. They get grants, they get federal money from, from different sources. They raise a lot of, like a lot of it is donations, which I didn't realize. And Crested Butte, they were showing us like they have three full-time forecasters and they're like most mountains or most avalanche centers are lucky if they have one full-time. So because they have so many, they log in like, okay, they, they're logging like 400 avalanches this year already. Whereas some of the other areas are only logging like 50 or 25. And that's because they don't recognize that an avalanche has happened because they don't have a lot of full-time forecasters. So they'll go out and they'll, they're logging all this data and that data can be used to, to start plugging in like, okay, well, we see this area is avalanching a lot, even though people aren't getting trapped or noticing we're showing there's something going on there. So it's kind of cool, like how they're doing that, but they're saying like, there's been an increase. Uh, I forgot. I have notes on it um, in another book, but, but they're actually talking about like a severe increase in people going in the back country they're still saying, because we're asking them, like, do you see a problem with the equipment that people are carrying or the deaths being in people that are, you know, novices? And they're like, no, they're still seeing the deaths being a lot of people that have done it for years, you know, a lot of trouble. People have done it for years. They just take it for granted. But one of the things they said, I was, I was surprised. They said, no, we see a lot of people going in with the basics. And again, you got to remember, you know, shovel probe. And uh, Beacon, Beacon is the basic, but they said what they would like to see is people don't realize you go up. So uh, Than was saying that he goes out in the morning, he'll go out like seven in the morning, whatever, like a lot of backcountry will go out. You see him getting bagels, getting, you know, whatever, breakfast, coffee, whatever. And then they go out and they come back and he's like, well, what I see, which is a little more disturbing is people go out later and later in the day. So they might go out at one o'clock in the afternoon thinking, you know, sun's not set until five. He's like, but you get on some of these faces and all of a sudden you're, you're shadowed from like two 30 on. And yeah. if you go out, cause he said he goes out with some people that go, you know, light, light and lean, you know, just to, to go do a quick up and quick down. And if they get caught in, you know, that, that shadow hits, they get severely cold and they're like, you're not prepared for that. So when you go up later, you got to be prepared for being stuck out there, you know, and it getting a little bit cold. He's like, there's some other gear that people don't realize. Like what happens if you get stuck, you don't have any overnight gear. You don't have, 
you know, one of those metal blankets, like to keep you alive overnight. How many people remember to carry a, um, a first aid kit? So you go out with your avalanche, you know, gear, your basics, your shovel probe beacon. Do you have a first aid kit? Most people don't. They have the shovel probe beacon. Somebody cuts a finger or he said he came across somebody that uh, hit a rock. You know, they fell on a rock and they had a gash that was like down to the bone. Well, what are you going to do for that? If you don't, if you only have your basics, you're like, I could poke my probe in it. That's not going to help. I could shovel some snow on it. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, you realize that you're a caveman out there because you have nothing, you know? So it's one of those things like, think about how long you're going to be out, where are you going to go? And, uh, that was very interesting to me. I like, I think we could dig into that more for future stories too. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of eye opening. It's, it's great when you talk to people who are actually there every day and ex- have the real experiences of, yeah. you know, what's going on and, and what they're seeing people doing right and wrong because yeah, the basics are great, but, and little they things are the like basics. that. People forget. I mean, the basics, how much does a first aid kit, if you're bringing, some gauze, some bandages, like what's that? It's not going to weigh you down. Like that kind of stuff is it's enough that it's, it's the risk reward, the trade off or the extra weight is it's completely out the window. Like do you have a French press and some coffee because I get stuck out there. I want some fucking coffee. Somebody better make that shit for me. There you go. How do you heat up the water though? That's right. You got to have a sterno. See, you got to have, bring that too. Sterno. Bring that, bring a guy with that sterno. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like I never thought about in that respect, like, cause he goes out like every day, like him and his mm-hmm. buddies, they all go out every day. And he's like, you know, we might do two hike ups a day. We start at seven in the morning, do two hike ups a day. He's like, but stuff comes up and you get delayed. And then you're like, Oh, you don't have this. Like, why don't you have a first aid kit? Why don't you have overnight blanket or, or something warmer to wear? Like it happens. You get stuck, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And then they were talking about Crested Butte Nordic Center and this girl, Molly, Molly Salsa. She, she's actually the Nordic team head coach at Crested Butte. Oh, cool. She was saying like during COVID, they had an explosion of Nordic, you know, desire to go into Nordic. And part of it was driven when COVID hit, nobody could do anything. They decided, let's just open it up. Don't worry about money. Don't worry. About it. Just come on down borrow the gear, go out, do some cross-country skiing just to get out. And they said they had a huge uh, turnout from the um, from Gunnison and from Crested Butte to come, come in and do Nordic. And now they do some outreach programs. They said there's a lot of um, – I forgot what the – there's an Indian tribe or an indigenous people – that is actually moving into Crested Butte and there's more and more of them coming. I forgot the name of them. I'll, I'll have to go through my notes. They started doing outreach because they're like, you know, these people that don't necessarily have the means to do it and get into the sport, they're actually getting into the sport. And it's pretty cool to see, you know, that, that outreach and it's a whole community and everybody in, in the community loves it. We even met one of our, one of the waitresses at the elevation hotel which is also on the mountain she was actually telling us she's like you know this is a pretty cool place she's like i decided to go into this she's like they pay me i forgot what they said per week and then she has a a, she has a hotel room for something like 250 a month and they give her a lift ticket 
and food and she just worked her ass off. I'm like, that's a great deal. It's um, not bad. They definitely do have, we were talking to people from the chamber during the trip. They were, they definitely do have the same problem every mountain's having where you don't have enough affordable housing for your workers, for, you know, what are you going to do? Have them in Gunnison? Well, Gunnison's a half hour away. If you have a, a snowstorm, you don't even, you can't even, you're at a disadvantage because now you can't even get your workers to your mountain. They're pissed off because they can't get there. Like everybody's just hurt in that whole scenario. So they're trying to find ways to do something for affordable housing, but it's tough because they don't have a lot of land. They're almost, they're almost at the point of like a Telluride where they're maxing out the land. Because of all the the national park that they can't really build on. Right. Well, it's national park. And then there's giant land grants and just landowners around there that are like, we're holding onto our land. We don't, we don't want to develop it. I mean, there's one, we were, we were on the backside of the mountain and we're looking at like, we're getting on the left and we're looking at this river and across the river, there's a like huge area. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's all land that's owned by one rancher, but he doesn't want any public access to it. I'm like, what do you mean? You can't, like, he wouldn't have a bike trail or something for somebody to go through. Like, no, he doesn't want public access to that land at all, you right. know? And they're like, it's not that he's doing it just to be the landowner. He's just, he doesn't want to see it disturbed. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Think about it. You know, sucks for Crested Butte, but (laughs) pretty cool. That keeps it nice and, you know, untouched around. So, yeah. Um, And then the town, you know, I think uh, we can get into it, Steve, in another podcast, but uh, you know, restaurants are pretty good. Great food. They had a lot of wild game, a few fancy restaurants. And then everything else was kind of like pizza, burgers and, you know, normal stuff. A lot of cool, chill places to like go and listen to music and stuff like that. Whole town, pretty much count on it closing up around 9 p.m. And then there's a few spots that are, you know, college just normally just For the locals. Yeah, everybody floating in and out that are open a little bit later, maybe to like, I don't know, 12 or 1. So it was pretty cool. We had a fun time. Uh, I couldn't did, breathe. I was, <laughs> I was happy to get back. Did you have a favorite like spot on the mountain? Like favorite stuff that you were skiing? On the mountain, I wish I would have done. So North Face, they just opened. North Face was a lot of fun. I could see doing that a little bit more. It was intimidating. So that's just it. Like if I was by myself or like we were together, we didn't know the mountain, I'd be intimidated to do North Face by myself. With the guide, I was like, okay, let's drop this thing. You're going you're gonna to guide us into stuff. Stormy. You're going to guide us into stuff that we can get to. They're stormy. They're stormy. He's popping his little head up. He's like, what's up, everybody? <laughs> stormy, you say hi. He's like, what's up, everyone? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'd say North Face was really good. And the the international international run was great. It yeah. was like we were flying down that thing. And all the other terrain, I, I was surprised. I would say for as, as, as difficult as those steeps are and as, as challenging as they are, everything else in the place was more family-oriented, blues and greens, like nice, easy cruising, groomed out. Like it was, it was nice, I got to say wasn't wasn't too challenging so i could see doing like a family vacation 
people don't want to go by the by the black runs, stay away from plenty of like blue and green terrain to to hit. So very nice. Yeah, it was a very good trip. I was surprised to see it. Little seemed a little remote to get to. Like like I said, you gotta do Gunnison half hour, Denver two and a half, and. Well, that's sort of the nice thing about it is that like, you know, you, you get all the, the Route 70 places, like, you know, the Vale, the Breckenridge, all those places that get everyone drives out to from Denver and Boulder. Yeah. A place like this, like Telluride, they're further off the beaten path, makes them a little, a little more special, a little more, like you said, a little more remote. Yeah. Now, it was definitely a great trip. How do you, how would you compare it to Telluride in terms of the mountain and the town and... So Mountain Town, I would say Telluride has the advantage. I'd say advantage Telluride. Reason being, town was nice and compact, a little livelier. And I got to say, Telluride had some more difficult terrain. It was a little more interesting. Crested Butte, I think if you want to do a little more backcountry or advanced terrain that feels like backcountry, Crested Butte's right in the wheelhouse there. And I would say it's not as lively as Telluride, but... uh Definitely cool town. You know, Opera is Opera. It's it's not anything wild or anything like that. So it's kind of cool. Definitely an old minor town. It's a historic town. So like you can't just drop a building and put a new one up. Did you have any uh, dinner spots that really stood out for you? So um, dinner spot that stuck out. I mean, we went to one place, it was the Dogwood and they had tapas. They had like, you know, small plates and stuff. That was good, but we kind of went there like looking for a meal. And that was kind of a wrong assumption because it was a great cocktail bar with small plates and it lived up to that name. There was, I think it's called Prime in town. I didn't go there. Your buddy Nick went there and... He had a great elk steak there. Oh, so the language elk beef, like the whole thing. And that place was legit, but you're talking about 67, 80 bucks, uh, 60, probably like 60 to 70 bucks for like an elk steak. You know Didn't I mean? you just take down the whole Seminole tribe with your big casino win? I did, but you I'm, couldn't I'm afford frugal. a fancy steak. I'm, I'm, I'm a frugal guy. <laughs> you are just a, uh, you're walking hypocrisy there. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, we had some legit uh, food. They had the um, social, was it social or community social? I forgot the name of it. That was pretty good. Some did you good. go to Backcountry Cannabis? Did not go. Where was that? I just in remember, town? it's definitely in Crested Butte. And Son of a bitch. It's uh, by the ice skating rink, by the ice rink over on... Bellevue, I think, and Fourth Bellevue. Oh, by the, I probably walked right by it and didn't realize. By the Irwin Brewing Company. The Irwin. I didn't even see the Irwin Brewing Company. Yeah, this is. It's kind of. It's a little off the beaten path, but I just remember like seeing that one time, looking up, like a bunch of just at the town and looking at you know what dispensers there, and I was like, backcountry cannabis. Like I love that name. Damn, it's right whole, there. And when Backcountry was suing everybody with Backcountry in their name, yeah, that was one right. of the first other companies I thought of was poor Backcountry Cannabis having to hire lawyers. They're just trying to smell some weed in Crested Butte and 
big fancy Park City, Utah back country. It's like we're gonna see everybody. We just see, we probably could have walked there because we didn't. We didn't even walk there. Everything was on Elk Avenue. So we basically just stayed on Elk Avenue and cruised up and down. Okay. Big Mine Ice Arena. We didn't see any of that. None of that stuff, huh? Son of a bitch. A lot of if good I had stuff. Google. A lot of good stuff. I missed a lot of stuff. I have to go back. I have to go back. I have to visit backcountry cannabis. Butte bagels. Calico queen tattoo. I could have gotten tattoo while I was there. The <sighs> fuck? It's killing me. I could come back with the snake on my, my neck that like I've always wanted. <laughs> if anybody owns a tattoo shop and would give us tattoos on our neck, let us know. Mario is very pro neck tattoo. I think I want a Jets logo. Brian wants a Giants logo. We'll, we'll, we'll do I'll it over. I'll never get bat. a Giants logo. <laughs> yeah, Tom, uh, Tampa Tom, like his face right on your neck. Right on my buttock, my right buttock. This Tom Brady, his handsome face. Tom Brady's handsome. Mr. Handsome. Yeah. I'm oh, funny to... thing. So I was at Shawnee on Friday with my son. How was that? It was great. It was like a fun day. Indie Pass, hashtag Indie Revolution. Nice. Shawnee. I saw a couple. I think it was a guy and a girl. I didn't ask their genders. Uh They had a Joe Klecko and Mark Gaston of jerseys. Like the two of them. That's legit. Friggin' New York Stack Exchange or Sack Exchange right there in Shawnee. It Damn. was hilarious. I'm like, I was like, wait a minute. I'm, they were together. I was like, Klecko and Gastineau. I'm like, you can't that separate is them. quality right there. Always together. See, yeah. you can't, you can't even separate them. Do they even have nose guards anymore? Like, wasn't that what Klecko was or nose tackle? The nose. Is that even a position anymore? Like, do they still have that? They they say it, but it's only in like tough towns. <laughs> like a nose guard. Like, what did the that's? Dude, it's Mark Gastineau awesome. was the reason they stopped the. Drug testing? The well, that <laughs> and the um the celebrations. Remember, he would celebrate on a sack for like two minutes. He would just go on and on, like woo, like an like orchestrated, crazy. you know, right. um choreographed routine after a sack. Yeah, he, he'd go nuts and people would love it. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we gotta stop this. Like the game's going too long. Like really it's like um really they're NFL. bringing out a stretcher for the quarterback. Like, can you guys maybe dial it back a bit? Yeah. No, but the NFL, like, you really want to eliminate the time that you can run more ads? Like, why, you know? Why not have another 15 minutes on the halftime show? Like, why not do, like, really? But this sack dance brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah, right? It should be sponsored. (laughs) Sponsored. Yeah. You're only allowed to celebrate extensively if you have a sponsor. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That works. Everybody wins then. Yeah. So, overall, Crested Butte. Cool town, good family vibe skiing with some some gnarly stuff up in the, the steep area. Yeah, it's family if you want to leave your family for a run or two and go up to to visit the steeps. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Or do some backcountry and then do steeps on a rest day. And how'd you um, like your hotel? A hotel was good, clean. Uh, they had a huge hot tub. I was nice. surprised. I was impressed. Um, do they have like outdoor hot outdoor, tub? Outdoor. Must oh, be outdoor. That. Yeah. Um, no, it was good. Uh, the, the hotel was legit. Big room, two king beds. Like it was, it was pretty, pretty nice setup. So yeah. I wasn't unhappy with the room. I tell you what, if I did it again, in my personal opinion, I would have stayed down the mountain 
because that shuttle is like 15 minutes and it's free. It's through the, the town. So in the morning and afternoon, you just jump on with all your ski stuff, go up and down the mountain, bada bing, bada bang. So, so you wouldn't have stayed right next to the mountain. You would have stayed more in town. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's logistically some benefit to staying on the mountain because the morning you wake up, boom, you're right there. Yeah. But I tell you what, after, and it might be partially for COVID, the Opry ski scene is not huge right now. And it's probably because of COVID. Goddamn COVID. But you pretty much, you know, a lot of people will stop skiing between three and four. They'll grab one drink and then boom, they're down the mountain near their hotel and they go out to eat and hang out. Like it's nice when you can operate ski and then start eating a little something to, to tide you over. You know what I mean? Like right. we're kind of stuck in the village. We're like, all right, well, all right, let's go hot tub, change, shower, whatever, and, and go down the mountain like early, you know? So that's kind of what we did. Okay. So it works both ways. I mean, you can make it work, but my personal preference probably would have been to suck it up and just stay down. Kind of like what we did for Jackson, you know, staying in Teton village would have been great, but I'm sure it would have died off at night versus being in town. I mean, yeah. That town was pretty dope. Jackson is very cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we did it that way. But yeah, fun right, time. Cool. Yeah. This sounds, time you got to make so, sure you can break out and join us. Yes, there were some some issues that could not be addressed for no, this no. trip. And I, I, I actually had some personal stuff going on too that I really couldn't break away from. But yeah, yeah there's a couple other events that are NASU related that I intend to make in this ski season, both up in Vermont and hopefully out in Sun Valley. That is my thinking. Fingers crossed. There's some good we'll stuff going on. See if we make it happen. You know? I'm excited. So this sounds like it was an awesome trip. Like you said, we're probably going to have a couple other discussions about this. Hopefully we'll get Steve on. If we yeah. can get Nick on too, that would be great. Dude, that'd be awesome. We get so them both I, on, I, talk about the place. I Let's haven't see. seen Nick since we skied in Vail in 2019. So it's been a couple of years. God damn. I know he said his parents moved, so he, there's no reason for him to come to Jersey anymore. Yeah, his parents are in uh, Cape Cod now in Mass. Yeah. But I don't think he's even been out there in the last like three years, so... Place that doesn't suck in the in the summer, right? There are worse places to be. Listen, I will take the Jersey Shore for Cape Cod. Boom! Oh, you throwing the gauntlet down? Well, it's because I live a mile and a half from the beach, but that's just me for now. That's pretty awesome, Mario. So, Mario, it sounds like again, awesome trip. Thanks for going out there and, and representing the podcast and, and making hopefully some friends and some some new contacts. Hopefully some friends. Hopefully some friends. Hey, man, the thing is, we, we spread love. We bring love. Whenever we go somewhere, we're always making great connections and, and great conversations and getting people interested in about this show because we know we love what we do. So we want to get more people involved with this. So yeah, I'm excited. Good. I'm glad you guys had a good time. I yeah. can't wait to hear more about it from you know Steve and Nick as well. And we'll get some more of the sustainability report from Steve because I know he was doing his research ahead of time on that. Oh, yeah. so we'll get that set up in the next couple of weeks. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll have show notes, of course, at skibumpodcast.com. Mario will have some links that he uh, wants us to check out on there. Follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untapped at ski bump podcast. Send us an email, ski bump podcast at gmail.com. Boom. We'll send you some stickers. Just hit us up. Let us know. We'll get you some. 
We also got a shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. Get some merch. Big shout out. Thank you to our sponsors, Terracia. Go to terracia.com. Use the code Terracia Bum. Get some percent off. Thank you, Paradise Skis. Go to paradiseskis.com. Use the code Skibum15. 15% off. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your ski season. Get out there, hit the snow, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay polluting. See ya.